The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Basak, Ferrer, Nola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusito, Friday and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on June 2nd. I am Frank Sample, joined once again by Barry, I mean Scott White. Today on the show, Cardinals top prospect Jordan Walker has been recalled. I've got the May leaders, week 11 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. You've heard of the Michael Jordan flu game. We now have the Scott White flu podcast. How you doing, Scotty? Uh, well, I'm, uh, this is how I'm doing. You can <laughs> you can tell by the sound of my voice. It was I, I woke up today, and I could only speak in a whisper. And it kind of fluctuated over the course of the day. I spent the whole day debating, can I do the podcast? Can I not do the podcast? And, uh, you know, finally, uh, I decided I couldn't. And so we we're going to have Chris Welsh on. But then he had an emergency. So here I am pinch hitting for the pinch hitter <laughs> at less than 100%. And, this is, and, and as luck would have it, this is about the best I sound all day. I, I tweeted out. When, uh, you know, when I decided I wasn't going to be on that, you know, if yesterday I sounded like Gozer the Gozerian. Today I sound like alien possessed Brent Spiner from Independence Day, which was, you know, true at the time. I, I sound a little better. I don't know. Do I sound better or worse than yesterday? About the same? I think you sound better, actually. Oh, OK. All right. Good. Yeah, so we're, we'll see. We'll see if it lasts. I mean, this is this is the longest I've spoken consecutively all day. So we're really, we're really putting it to the test here. Sounds good to me. Were all of those references from Independence Day that one like big glob of things? Gozer the Gozerian is from Ghostbusters. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. I had I don't know. I haven't seen Ghostbusters since I was and, like and, and, twelve and years Brent old. Spiner, Brent Spiner is is more famous for his role as Lieutenant. Commander Data in Star Trek: The Next Generation. He just had, you know, minor, minor part in Independence Day. Brent Spiner, by the way, seventy-four years old. Who who could believe it? I know. Seventy-four years old. I could believe like it myself. My age Scott. when Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> started. So you know, life is but a vapor. Gosh, I am so behind everything in the world. Outside of baseball. I mean, I guess some people might argue even that. Anyway, Scott, let's start with uh, Jordan Walker. Before we even get to Thursday and all the games, there wasn't really that much going on. Jordan Walker is back with the St. Louis Cardinals. His last 15 games down at AAA, he was doing some uh, nice things. A triple slash of 311, 403, 541 during that time with three homers, five doubles, a steal, 11% walk rate, and 23.6% K rate. Obviously, it's not eye-popping numbers. It's not like the Ellie De La Cruz or Christian Encarnacion Tran, what those guys are doing. Uh, but I think he went down to work on some things, and I think he got better at, at some of those things. They wanted to see the plate discipline improve. Uh, they wanted to see less ground balls. And according to an article from MLB Trade Rumors, his ground ball rate was 44% during his time in the minors, which is much better than when he was in the majors earlier this season. He's down to 70% rostered. Is this just... 
get him back on your team at all costs. He should not be available because I still have questions about, you know, is he going to play every day? Uh, you know, some speculation that Lars Newbar is going to go on the IL. We don't know that for sure yet. Uh, what are your latest thoughts on Jordan Walker, what he did in the minors? Will he play enough? All right. Well, first, uh, I think you left out a lot of the backstory here because <laughs> it was just last week. There was a video posted of an interview with Jordan Walker where he was saying he was basically kind of giving up on trying to hit the ball in the air more because he wasn't hitting it enough. And he, he said, there's no point if I try to hit the ball in the air more. There's no point. I'm sorry. There's no point if I try to hit the ball in the air if I'm not hitting the ball at all. And of course, that was the story of his first few weeks back at AAA, wasn't hitting the ball at all. And so it seems like this, him uh, giving up on hitting the ball in the air is what inspired the turnaround that saw him bat 333 with three home runs over his final 11 games at AAA, which of course probably led up to this promotion, this recall. But I got to say, this seems like more incompetence on the Cardinals part. Because while it was reported all along, yeah, Jordan Walker was being sent down in part because they wanted him to put the ball in the air more. I naively assumed there that there was he was being fed more intricate details than that, that they didn't just say, hey, try to hit the ball in the air more and, and leave him to figure it out. Like I, I thought they were doing something to show him how to hit the ball in the air more, you know? And, but it sounds like from this interview, they were just like, hey, Go hit the ball in the air more, which to me seems kind of like, hey, your 96 mile per hour fastball is pretty good, but why don't you start throwing it 101 instead? <laughs> like, it's just ludicrous. And I don't blame him for being frustrated and just giving up on it. Um, I don't know what it means for his development, but I'm glad to see he's back. Obviously, he has a ton of upside. He's still 70% rostered. So, you know, a lot of people didn't lose the faith uh, the whole time he was down. I would say certainly if you need help at third base or the outfield, two positions where he's eligible, for sure pick him up. Wouldn't it be a bad idea to pick him up regardless, just in the hope that this is this is when he, he does take off, uh, does live up to his potential? You know, somebody, the reason why I can't go as far as to call Jordan Walker must add is because you know, you're, you're always presented with these scenarios where you say that. Somebody asked me, okay, do I drop, who are the two players? Do I drop Lars Newbar and, or, and um, trying to remember who the second one was. It was a pretty high-end player like that. And I was like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could drop Lars Newbar for Jordan Walker if that was my lowest-end player. I'm trying to find who the other one was. Gosh, who was it? I got a few like Teoscar Hernandez and Kyle Schwarber types. I'm not willing to go that far, obviously, though those players yeah, have been a disappointment. So, you know, it's just it's just hard to anticipate how shallow. Oh, it was Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis, who recently got called up, is gaining eligibility. Third base soon has it at shortstop already. Yeah. Just hit his second home run here on Thursday. Has a lot of upside himself. So, you, sure know, does. Dude, you already have a bird in the hand there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd be willing to swap it out for just one in the bush. <laughs> anyway, I think, uh, I think, I think you should try to add Jordan Walker if you can, but though that's kind of the caliber of player I want to drop him for Lars Newbar, Royce Lewis. I think Walker probably has a higher ceiling than both of them, but he clearly has the lowest floor of the three too. I updated my rankings before the podcast and I moved Jordan Walker up to 13 in my third base rankings. That's just ahead of Justin Turner and Gunnar Henderson. As we've said all along, obviously there's some talent up top, but then third base thins out pretty quickly. Uh, and I moved him up to outfield 44. So that's just ahead of Andrew Vaughn and Brian De La Cruz in my ranks, uh, just behind Giancarlo Stanton and Christopher Morell. Scott, that's the one. That's the question I keep getting most is do you drop Christopher Morrell to pick up Jordan Walker? We know what Morrell did as soon as he got called up, all those home runs. He has one hit in his past six games with a 42% strikeout rate during that time. I've been telling people I would not drop Morrell for Jordan Walker. But man, but you don't is, feel good about it, do you? It's, uh, I don't. I don't feel good about it. It's so close. It's so close. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one. 
obviously, if if you were if you, if you were the one to get morale, you don't want to pull the plug too soon. But I I've been pretty skeptical of him all along. I know I wrote that article saying, I don't know if you can sell high, but that was more about, I don't know if you can sell high than I wouldn't sell high. Um, and, and, you know, so, which, which I think goes to show you if, if I, if I don't think you can really sell all that high on Christopher Morrell, then I don't know that anybody's that optimistic about him, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I actually, even before this Jordan Walker news came out, I had Christopher Morrell and a couple points leagues, which is his lesser format. I wanted to drop him. <laughs> This past weekend, like when, when he was first cooling off, I was like, I don't think I can start him. I'd rather use the spot on a pitcher. Do I have to keep Christopher Morrell? Ultimately, I decided I did, but obviously he hasn't done any better since then. So mm. I don't know. I might do that. I, I don't blame maybe, you. Though. I mean, it's, it's close enough. Again, I have them back to back in my outfield ranks now. So maybe I'm just an extreme Morrell pessimist and I'll look you know, dumb when he homers four times next week. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's a long shot that he's like a must start player for you the rest of the season. And then the odds are against Jordan Walker being that too, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like his upside more. Three other names that I would drop for Jordan Walker that I moved behind him in the rankings, James Outman, Brent Rooker, and Jaron Duran. So all names that got off to a great start, but as much as I like yeah. Altman and what he did in April, I mean, he has just taken such a big step back in May. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would make that swap for any of those three names. Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. Again, Jordan Walker headed back to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, let's hope that he plays enough because, again, it's the Cardinals. You can never be too sure. The other big news of the day, Scott, Chris Sale left his start on Thursday with left shoulder soreness. His fastball velocity dropped in his final inning of work, set to undergo an MRI on Friday. Obviously, this sucks because... He really turned things around in May. He was starting to look like the vintage Chris Sale of old once again. You know, we'll have to see uh, what the MRI shows and what it reveals. I would have to imagine this winds up in an IL stint. How long is he out? That remains to be seen, but obviously bad news for Chris Sale. Yeah, it's kind of weird. The whole, like the way it transpired because they came out so his fastball velocity, in the words of Alex Cora, dropped from about 95 to about 90 in the fourth inning. So they came out, they checked on him, they went back, they left him in. Um, and, and actually, the last out he got, he was back up to 95. But they came back out, they decided to take him out, and Cora said he wanted to finish it, but nah, he gave it a shot. But after that, you can't be irresponsible. So like, it seemed like Sale himself was campaigning to stay in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we're going to play it safe with you. You're too valuable. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe like, if he was hurting that bad, I know he's kind of a stubborn guy. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm obviously trying to like read into this whole psychology of the situation, but it wasn't just, it wasn't a conventional pulling is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't like, you know, he grabbed at something, they came out and pulled him out. It was a lot of like, eh, back and forth, wishy-washy. Should we take him out? Should we not? Um, and even the velocity was fluctuating in that final inning. So I don't know. Hopefully, I guess I'm, I'm just hoping against hope here that it is just a minor thing. Because obviously, I'm uh, I'm, I'm pretty heavy and heavily invested in sale. And I owe his rebound to the rebound of a lot of my fantasy teams. Like when he turned it on, so did a lot of my fantasy teams. And so I'm really counting on him and hoping this is just a minor thing, but we won't really know till we get the MRI results, I guess. Again, that is Chris Sale dealing with left shoulder soreness. With that being said, Scott, let's get into the rest of Thursday's action. I don't believe what I just saw. And I don't believe that I asked you who you wanted to talk about before we got started here. So I'm not sure that you have a player ready to go. Do you, Scott? If not... Chris Sale. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a player ready to go, but... I can take the wheel if, if you need some time. Let's talk about Cattell Marte. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Weren't planning on that, were you? <laughs> Did not see that coming. He was not on the rundown at all. There you go. Well, he should have been because he went two for four with two doubles here on the first day of June. Did Cattell Marte. And that's after, in the month of May, 
Cattell Marte hit 305 with five homers, five stolen bases, and an 865 OPS. So I guess good Cattell Marte is back again. Adir Cattell Marte, 2019, he was a monster. 2021, he was a stud, which is a little less than a monster, but still really good. And here in 2023, he's looking like a must-start hitter again. We haven't talked about it. His point-per-game average this year coming into this two-double game was 3.14. That's better than Ozzy Albies. It's better than Glaber Torres. It's not that far off from Nolan Gorman, actually, for as good as he's been. And uh, I think you can pat yourself on the back for that pick because he was going very late, like outside the top 200. I'd say you've already gotten your money's worth. I mean, even if he gets hurt tomorrow, knock on wood, hopefully he doesn't. But uh, I'd say you've already gotten your money's worth for it on Cattell Marte. Yeah, overall the season he's betting 284. He's got eight homers, six steals. Counting stats, the RBI are a little bit low, but he's usually at the top of the lineup. Uh, but it is a very good lineup so far with Corbin Carroll and Lourdes Gurriel uh, kind of bouncing back again this year. Average exit velocity looks great for Cattell Marte as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you you drafted him late, I think he's just rock solid. Slide him in uh, as their, as a starter and uh, continue to ride that one out. Oh my goodness gracious for me, uh, let's talk about Pablo Lopez, Scott, because great first four starts and... You know, he kind of did this last year. I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason like, oh, the calendar just flips to May and Pablo Lopez turns bad every year. It's, you know, for whatever reason, he gets off to these great starts and then kind of fades after that. But another stinker up against the Cleveland Guardians, two of all teams. No Josh Naylor in the lineup. Still uh, has a rough outing here. Six earned runs allowed over five and two thirds innings pitched. Five strikeouts to one walk. Uh, the weird part is that he didn't really allow that much hard contact. 84.1 mile per hour average exit velocity. The vo- the uh, velocity on his pitches, the sweeper and the curveball, were actually up over a mile per hour in this one as well. But if you look at his last eight starts now, Pablo Lopez, 6.15 ERA, 1.39 whip. He's still well over a strikeout per inning, but leading into this one, during that span, he's allowing a lot of hard contact. The BABIP, the home run rate are both way inflated. A uh, good amount of barrels. This is kind of a tough one to figure out, Scott, because Pablo Lopez is a different pitcher this year. The velocity is up uh, on basically all of his pitches. He's throwing this new sweeper. He's getting more whiffs than ever before, but he's just lacking something. I, I Sometimes I think there might be a blind spot in my analysis because I look at K-minus walk rate a lot and swinging strike rate, and Pablo Lopez ranks highly on both of those lists, but he gets hit hard. Like, when he gets hit, he gets hit hard. And there's, I guess, just something to be said for pitchability. Uh, and maybe that's something that Pablo Lopez just lacks. So uh, w- what's going on here? How worried are you about him? I, yeah, I, I echo your frustrations, and I'm not really sure what to do with him, and I wasn't really what sure what to do with him for most of last year, too. I will point out that this isn't, you know, you know, a lot of times when we talk about, is this a guy who just breaks uh, the normal process of analyzing a pitcher? Is he just kind of like an exception to our usual rules? It it shows up like in the expected stats. Like he consistently underperforms his expected ERA, expected FIP, etc. Or he overperforms. And that's not the case with Pablo Lopez. He had a 375 last year. XERA was 375, FIP 371, XFIP 356. He was basically right in line. And there have been years where he's been over. There's been years where he's been under. There's not a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of uh, rhyme or reason with that either. doesn't seem to be. So, you know, I know he didn't throw his sweeper as much in this particular start, and that's been his best swing and miss pitch. I don't know if he just doesn't always have comfort level with it. I don't know if he has a comfort level with it right now, but it's not just a career high swinging strike rate for him this year. It is an elite one. Trying to find real quick exactly where he ranks coming into the start 14.7% swinging strike rate. That puts Pablo Lopez sixth among qualifiers between Shohei Otani and Hunter Green. So, like, that's a. That, that suggests a lot of upside, that maybe he isn't living up to at the moment. 
And I don't have complete confidence he's going to, but I would consider him more of a buy than a sell right now. Yeah, I agree. Look, again, by most accounts and most you know marks that we look at when analyzing a pitcher, again, he's doing things this season that he's never done before, and the team context is much better, obviously paying for the Minnesota Twins this season. So, yeah, I... I'd be looking to buy as well. I, you know, I think over the past month and a half, people are probably pretty fed up with Pablo Lopez. So, uh, look to buy him. I have moved him down the rankings a little bit. I think he's down around like SP thirty at this point. Uh, but yeah, still, I think a rock solid SP three. If you can go out and acquire him, a couple other pitchers, Scott, that have been up and down so far this season. Uh, what do we make of this group? Hunter Green, two great starts in a row. This one at the Boston Red Sox. Six innings, one run allowed, eight strikeouts with 14 swinging strikes. Uh, Freddie Peralta, rocky first inning, but uh, does turn in a quality start at the Blue Jays. Six innings, three runs, only three strikeouts. Uh, two more homers allowed for him. Joe Musgrove turned in a quality start at the Marlins. Six innings, one unearned run allowed, three strikeouts to three walks. And Jesus Lazardo, he's... He's kind of another one like Pablo Lopez where he gets swinging strikes, K-minus walk rate looks good, but it's like when he misses his spots, he gets hit so hard. It's kind of hard to overcome that. So uh, he gave up five runs over five and a third against the Padres, eight strikeouts to one walk. Again, that K-to-walk ratio looks great here. Uh, anyone stand out here or you know anything that you have on Jesus Lazardo, Joe Musgrove, Freddie Peralta, and Hunter Green? I mean, not... Not especially novel insights, no. The fact Hunter Green's looked dominant in his last three starts, the first of those three gave up four in runs, but it was in seven innings. He had 10 strikeouts. I would consider that a pretty dom- dominant start. Uh, I, it's an, I'm encouraged by it. Obviously, there's a lot of upside here, and he's had an up-and-down career. So I, I think you can at least hope that this is the start of more consistency for him. As for the others... Back-to-back quality starts for Musgrove. I mean, same thing. Been a rough start, rough return from the IL, from that broken toe. But we know who Joe Musgrove is, and I think we expected him to get back to this. Even with the velocity down in this start, it was good results. So I'm, I'm encouraged by him, and I don't think I don't think that velocity issue is going to be a, like a permanent thing. I think it was just kind of a fluky. There's no reason to believe it was more than a like a one-start blip. And who's the other one? Freddie Peralta. Yeah, that's he's been he's been really hard for me to figure out because early on he looked like he was back to 2021 form. And he's had a couple of like huge whiff games. One I think was like 19, one was like 22. But for the most part, the strikeouts, the whiffs have been underwhelming. In fact, this is four straight starts with four strikeouts or fewer from Freddie Peralta. And if those strikeouts aren't there, I don't know that he's that good. So uh, I'm not like bailing on him or anything, but I need to see some reason for optimism there soon. Like a bit of a turnaround because, because obviously he wasn't very good last year. So we, we can't just assume that Freddie Peralta is a mainstay in your fantasy rotation. Yeah, he's a tough one too. The velocity has uh, been up for Freddie Peralta this year, and like you mentioned, looked great early on. But the the walks have crept up, three point seven walks per nine. His home run rate is the highest it's been since twenty nineteen. The BABIP is up. He's allowing more hits. So I, I dropped Freddie Peralta outside the top forty recently. I think he's moving closer to streaming territory. I don't think he's a drop. I, I still have him ahead of names like Lance Lynn and and Alec Manoa, but. Uh, he's he's kind of closing the the gap on that group as well. One name we, you you didn't mention, Scott. I don't know if you have anything on is um, Jesus Lazardo. Anything there? Uh, I mean the the walks in this start seem like an aberration. That hasn't been a consistent issue for him. Uh, wait a second. Am I looking at the wrong stat line? He didn't. He only had one walk in this start, didn't he? Correct. Okay, so t- walks with uh, high walk game would definitely be an aberration for Jesus Lazardo because it didn't even happen today. The biggest issue there is that of his 11 starts this year, only five less than half have been six innings or more, the minimum for a quality start. But that's a minor frustration. I I think overall, uh, I know his ERA is over four, but you know, a lot of good pitchers ERA is over four right now. I think overall I'm pretty satisfied with Lazardo. I just wish he'd go 
deeper into games and maybe be a little more consistent. He seems a little bit unlucky in terms of the BABIP this year. 351 is really, really high. It's been 302 for Lazardo's career. And if you go to Baseball Savant, you look at the expected batting average by pitch, all of them say that Lazardo has been unlucky so far. So the batting average is much higher than the XBA on each of his pitches so far this season. Let's take our first break, Scott. When we return, we'll get into the May leaders here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, and please make sure to follow all of us on Twitter if you haven't already, at CBS Scott White at Roto underscore Frank, and the FBT Twitter account is at FBT Pod. I usually tweet out the daily link to the podcast as well as the link to the live stream, you know, 20 to 30 minutes uh, before we go live. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can scan the QR code in the top right. That will take you right to the Fantasy Baseball Today Twitter account, where, again, you can follow us. We appreciate it. Let's get into the main leaders here, Scott. Uh, April and May are in the books. We have uh, turned the page to June so far. And you'll find a common theme here with a lot of the hitting leaders. Freddie Freeman in batting average, 400 batting average in the month. Uh, Yes, uh, you're going to hear his name a lot. Home runs, Aaron Judge and Jorge Soler were each tied with 12 in the month of May. Judge played six less games, 21 uh, to 27. We know that he's been on a tear since returning from the IL. I recently moved Soler up to outfielder 33 ahead of names like Nick Castellanos, Stephen Kwan, and Hunter Renfro. I think he's you know, kind of in the mix with all those guys. Uh, a low-end outfielder three. Run scored. Freddie Freeman, 28 runs scored. No surprise, his teammate Mookie Betts right behind him with 26 in the month. Uh, RBI. Freddie Freeman, 26 RBI in the month. Uh, Aaron Judge, Jorge Soler, and Josh Naylor were each tied with 25. So just one behind Good for Naylor. Yeah, yeah, he had a huge month. I think he had. I think he had multiple games with five plus RBI. I know he just had the six RBI game the other day. Uh, he had another huge game earlier in the month as well. So obviously that helped pick it up, which. It's kind of interesting because the Guardians, for the most part, do not score a lot of runs. Uh, I guess when they do, it's because of Josh Naylor. Steals, no surprise. Estere Ruiz had 17 steals in the month. Wander Franco was second behind him with 14 steals. Other hitters that just had a very big month of May, Juan Soto, Lourdes Gurriel, Anthony Santander. We've talked about those names quite a bit. Uh, And then, you know, names that still could be out there in some leagues. Owen Miller, Spencer Steer. Marcelo Zuna, Michael Massey, Brian De La Cruz, Leody Tavares. Those are all names that ranked inside of the top 15, maybe top 20 in OPS for the month. Uh, Scott, who stands out as like one or two that you trust the most uh, of the names I just mentioned? It, it's probably Ozuna and Brian De La Cruz, right? Uh, well, I, I assume Juan Soto doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was this, this <laughs> bottom group of five or okay. six that I just bolted. Yeah, I mean, trust is a difficult word to use with Ozuna. 
Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're going to fixate on that word trust, I would say it's Brian De La Cruz and Spencer Steer. I feel like Spencer Steer has a pretty high floor. We talked just yesterday about how I'm not sure the ceiling is especially high, but I think he's going to stay in the lineup. I think he's a good bet to get to 20 homers at least and just be a solid player. Ozuna could be huge. And coming off a huge May, there's renewed optimism, but... It wouldn't surprise me if he hit 150 the rest of the way either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that explains the career of Marcelo Zuna. He's, I think it was the Welsh recently who made the the comp to Justin Upton, where if you looked at his monthly production, it was a roller coaster every year, up and down, up and down. Marcelo Zuna has been a lot like that, and he's getting up there in age, but still, if you want cheap exposure to one of the best lineups in baseball, uh, Ozuna is still out there in quite a few leagues. Hitters that cooled I, off. I, I had two more observations here, if I may. Yep. Uh, Michael Massey being on this list really surprised me because, you know, he's still, obviously he was terrible in April, and so I, his overall numbers aren't that great. But usually when somebody gets as hot enough that he can be top 15 in OPS for an entire month, he, he becomes a trendy pickup in fantasy. I mean, looking at the actual numbers from for Massey in May, he hit uh, where are they? He hit three nineteen with four homers, two steals, and a nine forty OPS for the month. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good from a middle infielder. Uh, I'm looking at his week by week points league breakdown. Never had a twenty point week, which is a little weird given how good the numbers for the month look. I wonder, did they start sitting him some against left-handers? I think I looked. So just in, I looked into his splits earlier in the season. I, I, th- I think he's actually been better against lefties than he has righties because it was something weird that completely surprised me. Yeah, but they they haven't been playing him that consistently even against righties. So that would explain that would explain why the production isn't there, even though the percentages are. But somebody to keep an eye on moving forward because, of course, I like Michael Massey coming into the year. Mm-hmm. He has a minor league track record. Hopefully, he can keep producing and get in the lineup more. I also wanted to mention for Aaron Judge, because there's there's a feeling, maybe just because Ronald Acuna has been so good, but I, I feel like there's there's kind of this sense that Aaron Judge has been kind of underwhelming so far. Got off to kind of a slow start, but you mentioned he had 12 home runs in May. He's up to 18 home runs for the season, which mm-hmm. we're at we're one we're one third of the way through. That puts him at a 54 homer pace. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that it could have another 60 homer season. I mean, I wasn't even really giving a chance for that. He's, 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 uh, he's quietly for as, for as good as he was, he's quietly having another great season, another very studly season, another, um, a top five in fantasy type season. And in fact, that 62 homer season last year, he had only one month, July, where he hit more home runs than the 12 he had this May. And he only hit 13 last July. His his monthly high for a 62-homer season was 13. He just had a 12-homer May. So Aaron Judge, still awesome. I saw tweets recently, Scott, that compared, I think it was his first 45 games last year to his first 45 games this year. He's actually been better this season so far compared to his historic campaign. Now, we know he went off in August and September and you know had crazy months down the stretch, but... Yeah, Aaron Judge has been great. Uh, and uh, I guess a little sneak peek. I did the In This League podcast earlier on Thursday with uh, the Welsh. He hosts it uh, and his buddy Scott Bogman. And we were redrafting the first two rounds for the rest of the season. And Aaron Judge went second overall. So I think those guys That's are, where I put him. Those, are, those guys own. are uh, pretty much in agreement with you, Scott. So Yeah, my own self-draft. Yeah, Find they, it on CBSSports.com. They gave me the layup of, uh, hey, you got first overall. Hmm, <laughs> I wonder who I'm going to take. <laughs> Ron Lacuna. Uh, anyway, hitters that cooled off in the month of May, uh, at least compared to their production in March. Jorge Mateo, who we spoke about recently. Brandon Lau. Uh, yeah, he's kind of you know nosedived here uh, in the month. Xander Bogarts, who I, I kind of wonder if he's playing through this wrist issue. I know his manager, Bob Melvin, has talked about it recently. James Outman, the strikeouts have been out of control. And uh, Matt Chapman, someone we haven't talked about in quite some time, Scott. I was just looking at the numbers right now. 
The strikeouts have jumped up a little bit, but even in May, 92.5 average exit velocity, still putting the ball in the air. It feels like he's been unlucky in the month, so somewhere in between. Obviously, he wasn't as good as the player he showed us in April, but I don't think he's as bad as the player he showed us in May, so maybe Matt Chapman kind of settles in as like a 800-plus OPS type bat, you know, 250 with, I don't know, 30 homers by the end of the season, something like that, which is still a starting worthy third baseman. Yeah. Uh, let me see if his... I'm curious if his directional hitting changed at all because the biggest change I saw, and it was backed up by reports, was that he was taking a more up-the-middle approach, going the opposite way more, and um, that was helping him to put up more consistent numbers. So did he kind of regress to normal as far as that goes? I'm not finding it here. Yeah, so in April, Matt Chapman had a 33% pull rate, and in May, it was 45%. So yeah, he did did kind of regress in that regard. Yeah, I don't know. He might just be normal Matt Chapman, which is still a good enough player to start in most leagues, but not, not what we were hoping for in April. Let's slide over to the pitching side of things, and uh, this will surprise you. The same name for ERA and WHIP, you must be thinking. Spencer Strider, Shane McClanahan, somebody like that. Michael Waka, a 0.84 ERA in the month, a 0.72 WHIP in the month of May. Just riding that nasty changeup. Quality starts left and right. He's up to 84% rostered. You know, I don't I don't think any of us expect him to keep this up, but you know, he probably should be closer to 100% at this point the way that Michael Waka is pitching uh for in the whip category by the way, just behind him was Bryce Miller at 0.75 that last start where he got rocked by the Yankees that obviously uh pushed him up over uh Michael Waka for the best whip of the month. Strikeouts Now, this is where we get to Spencer Strider, the usual stuff. 57 strikeouts, led all pitchers. Mitch Keller just behind him, though, at 53. Uh, I recently moved him up to uh, SP23 in the ranking, Scott. I I think you have him just around there as well. I think you have him at 24 or 25. Um, And that feels about right. I know his last couple starts have been a little more shaky, but for the most part, I think I'm buying Mitch Keller as like a low-end SP2, high-end SP3. I mean, his ERA estimators are all like right at three. Yeah, and he has uh, he has over ten strikeouts per nine innings, right? I don't know. Like, I'm eleven, eleven point two K per nine is what Mitch Keller has, despite a low swinging strike rate, the best swinging strike rate of his career, but a low swinging strike rate. Uh, I don't know. It's I'm leaning toward him just being a really good pitcher. Yeah, I mean, he's he's up to a 325 ERA now that's compared to a 303 X ERA, 286 FIP, 301 FIP. So he's actually underperformed his ERA estimators so far, as in what has been worse than them for as good as he's been. The one I haven't moved him ahead of yet, but we're getting close. And based on our analysis, Scott, we probably should. Shane Bieber, <laughs> that's the one. It's like, once I move Mitch Keller ahead of Shane Bieber, I think, all right, like, I'm, I'm fully yeah. bought in, you know, something like that. Um, but not there yet. Let's see. A couple more starts. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we make a move like that. Saves leader in the month, Camilo Duvall had 11. A little bit of a rocky start there in April, but he has been dominant ever since. I believe I wrote him up as a bust this year, and man, I have been dead wrong so far on Camilo Duvall. Uh, so he has been a very valuable RP1. That is May. Now we move things on to June. Anything else, Scott? I don't think so. All right, let's get into the news and notes. Carlos Correa left early as he aggravated the plantar fasciitis in his left heel, which doesn't sound good, obviously. And uh, last time this happened, he sat out a couple of days. Who knows? Might need an IL stint. Uh, We'll see what happens with Correa. Maybe Edward Julian's coming right back. Uh, Well... It would be very welcome. Obviously, we're big fans of him here on the podcast. Tristan McKenzie will make his season debut Sunday at the Twins. Cal Quantrill will be placed on the IL with right shoulder inflammation. Chris Bryant was placed on the IL with a left heel bruise retroactive to May 31st. He was batting 263 with just five home runs, a 
pretty big letdown so far this season. Nolan Jones uh, has been starting recently for the Rockies. I would assume he's going to earn more playing time as a result. He went two for four with an RBI on Thursday. He's 22% rostered and has six home games in Coors Field next week if you do need an outfielder in deeper leagues. However, however, four lefties scheduled Ooh. for those six games. All right. Uh, so, so Nolan Jones has started, uh, you know, obviously he's only been up a few days. He did get a start against a lefty already. So it's, you know, he might play against those four lefties, but as a left-handed hitter, I don't, I don't know that he would be my first choice to pick up and start from that Rockies lineup this Br- week. Brenton Doyle, baby. It's Brenton Doyle season. Well, <laughs> I got a different one in my 10 sleeper hitters, but we'll get to that soon enough. Mm, very soon. Alec Bohm was placed on the aisle with a strained left hamstring. Cody Clemens started at first base with Edmundo Sosa at third on Thursday. Nick Lodolo will remain in a walking boot for the next two weeks. He's dealing with a stress reaction in his left tibia. Edwin Diaz believes he can join the Mets before the end of the season. He said, quote, if everything keeps going how it's going, we've got a chance to pitch. Diaz suffered a torn patellar tendon in his right knee during the World Baseball Classic. And initially, they said he'd miss eight months. Wait and see on Edwin Diaz. John Carlos Stanton and Josh Donaldson will both return Friday against the Dodgers. Oswald Cabrera and Franchi Cordero were both sent back to Triple A. Of course, we talked up uh, Josh Naylor yesterday, and then he was scratched from the lineup due to a sore wrist. Hope he's all right. Jose Alvarado will begin a minor league rehab assignment Saturday at AAA. Anthony Rendon took batting practice and fielded grounders Thursday. The hope is that he will return at some point next week. Jorge Polanco hit leadoff in his return to the Twins lineup. He went one for five with a double and four hard hit balls. Luis Arise was pulled early Thursday due to a leg injury. Mike Clevenger is expected to return and start Friday against the Tigers. Frankie Montas began a throwing program Thursday. He underwent arthroscopic shoulder surgery back in February. Could return late this season, but we don't know exactly what his role is going to be, what it's going to look like. So not really a high priority on Frankie Montas. Uh, We're still about two months out from the trade deadline, but there was a report on Thursday that multiple GMs expect... Shane Bieber to be moved before the deadline. Uh, so I keep seeing the Baltimore Orioles kind of thrown out there as a possibility. Who knows? And uh, yeah, the latest on um, Ellie De La Cruz. I was going to ask the Welsh about it. I had it written down here. Look, he just wrapped up an amazing May. He's on the 40-man roster, Scott. I know we've talked about this in the past. You know, I uh-huh. tweeted the main numbers for Ellie De La Cruz, and, and a few people pointed out to me that there is a super two deadline that is approaching, which this is a weak point in my analysis. I don't know much about like super two and yeah, it's, it's, arbitration. it's, kinda, it's a bit complicated. Yeah. It's a bit complicated. Cause we won't know for years from now when the actual super two cutoff was, uh, because it, it just depends on a certain percentage of players accumulating a certain amount of uh, service time by that point. But it's it's usually at some point in June, right? And so uh, I, you know, I don't know that that's really the decider. Um, but like there, there does appear to be this consensus among Reds beat writers that it's going to happen soon. Like the commentary surrounding Ellie De La Cruz has switched from will they call him up or won't they? to what happens to the Reds infield when they do call them up. I saw three separate Reds writers write basically that same article this week. So like they're, they're, they're thinking it's time. And, um, uh, see Trent Rosecrans, who's like, you know, a, a long time Reds beat writer. He, uh, he, he writes for the athletic. Now he was, he was offering Friday as a guest, Mm. acknowledging it was just a guess, but like, that's, that's what they're thinking. Like any day, Ellie De La Cruz could get the call. And I think most notable, I mean, it's not the most notable thing about it, but the most notable recent development for Ellie De La Cruz is that over his last 21 games entering Thursday, nearly as many walks, 21 walks in those 21 games as strikeouts, 23 strikeouts, his strikeout rate during that 21 game stretch, 22.1%. That's compared to 33.9% 
before then. I mean, 22.1%. I, I realize it's minor league pitchers. He's going to see, you know, six foot five. He's, uh, major league pitchers are going to be able to better exploit that size and the holes in the swing and whatever else. But like, that's not a high strikeout rate. That's not, that's not a strikeout rate where we normally worry about a guy's ability to, to make enough contact in the majors. And then, of course, you know, all of his home runs look like rockets. All of his throws look like bullets. He looks like a blur running around the base paths, like just a total athletic marvel. Very excited, very excited for the prospect of L.A. Douglas Cruz coming up. And he's one, like even with Jordan Walker returning, I still think I'd rather be stashing Ellie De La Cruz. And that's that just kind of goes to show you where the hype is with him right now. I think you're right, Scott. I mean, even with Jordan Walker, you're picking him up with the hope of upside, right? And who has more upside in the minor leagues right now than Ellie De La Cruz, right? It's as much as we like Jordan Walker coming into the season, and we do. Uh, if we knew that Ellie De La Cruz would be up on opening day the same way we did Jordan Walker, he probably would have been going even higher in drafts uh, than Walker. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, eh, it would have been close. It would have been close. But uh, I'm coming into the year, Ellie De La Cruz was basically lower on every prospect list than Jordan Walker. But he's he's gained a lot of steam during that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if we need to mention again, hardest hit ball. And all of professional baseball, majors or minors, this year belongs to Elliot De La Cruz. He had a game earlier this year where he had three balls in excess of 116 miles per hour, including a home run from each side of the plate over 116 miles. Each side of the plate. Crazy. No team in the entire StatCast era has had three batted balls in excess of 116 miles per hour in a game. No entire team has done that. And he did it individually. So this is a this is a very special talent. Sure is. Uh, once he gets called up, Scott, are you ranking Ellie De La Cruz over Anthony Volpe, Matt McClain, Royce Lewis? Yeah, yeah, I think I would. I'm normally, I mean, especially this year, I've been pretty conservative with prospects getting the call right away. But like, I just don't want to miss out on this upside. Like, it's possible he's striking out 35 percent of the time and has trouble finding his footing in the majors, that's definitely a possible outcome for L.A. De La Cruz. But if if it goes the other way, I definitely want to be here for it. All right, let's take our final break. And when we return, we'll preview week 11 here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Big thanks to everybody watching us live. It is late on the East Coast. 542 people hanging out. So we do appreciate you being here. Like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Let's get into week 11, Scotty, and we'll take a look at the schedule first. Five teams have seven games next week. The Blue Jays, Brewers, Astros, Reds, and Cubs. 24 teams have six games, and only one team has five games next week. The Seattle Mariners. Uh, As for the Rockies, they've got six home games, three against the Giants, and three against the Padres. So perhaps you're uh, looking at 
Rockies or Giants or Padres to obviously get some exposure there to Coors Field. Starters sit these fringe two-star pitchers, Scotty, and we will start with Blake Snell, who's going up against the Cubs and at the Rockies. I would leave him for points leagues, which is going to be my default view with him whenever he's a two-star pitcher. Like I just think that the added volume of that extra start in a points league where you're not having to protect, protect DRA and whip, it makes it worth doing. But I would not risk my ERA and whip in a categories league, especially with that start at Colorado. I am going to assume either something similar or that you just want nothing to do with the rest of the names that I have listed here. Martin Perez, Carlos Carrasco, Alex Fiedo, and Kyle Hendricks. I would start Martin Perez probably in a points league. Okay. But the others you mentioned are out for me. Mm. All right. So, Dad, if you're listening, no go on Kyle Hendricks, Alex Fiedo. Stay away. Two-star pitchers to add and stream for next week. Scott, you've got two, four, six. Six names on the list. Who are they? Okay, this is the part where I have to talk a lot. So, <clears throat> And it sounds like my voice is beginning to go. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, James Paxton somehow is still available in one-third of CBS Sports Leagues. And this might be the week where that changes for good because he's at Cleveland for his first start. At New York for his second start, but whatever. Revenge game. He's, he's a good enough... He's a good... Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's a good enough pitcher to start no matter who he's facing. Louis Varland, hopefully... He stays on the roster and makes these two starts. The matchups aren't great at, at Tampa Bay, at Toronto, but he's been reliable, missing a lot of bats. I trust him for two starts. Kyle Gibson, amazingly, he's the most rostered of the three pitchers I've mentioned so far, 74%. But the matchups this week are really good at Milwaukee and against the Royals. They're both in the bottom six for run scored, I believe, something like that. And he's coming off two quality starts. So hopefully we get good Kyle Gibson for those two starts. All right, this is a real deep one. Tommy Henry, only 9% rostered. I can't remember the last time I had a pitcher that available on this list. Not 9%. At Washington, at Detroit. The matchups don't get better than that in a two-star week. And uh, he's coming off two good starts where swinging strikes were way up. I, I don't really believe in it, but... It's a good time for him to have these two matchups. Kind of a deep sleeper, but one who may be worth pursuing. That's Tommy Henry of the Diamondbacks. Also, J.P. Sears, who's at Pittsburgh, at Milwaukee. He's been pitching well of late. Good chance he doesn't get a win, <laughs> even with those two favorable matchups, but yeah, probably worth doing. And Braxton Garrett, another one who... I can't guarantee he'll be able to make these two starts, but it's, I don't know. Trevor Rogers just started his rehab assignment, so he probably will. Braxton Garrett against the Royals and at the White Sox. All right, let me help you out here with the single star streamer, Scotty. Logan T. Allen going up against the Houston Astros. Uh, just recently had one of his best starts of the year. Actually, it was his best start of the year. Tougher matchup, uh, but obviously he's pitched well. Garrett Whitlock is a spark, so if you're in a points league and looking for a start, he's at the Cleveland Guardians. We know their lineup uh, has mostly been inept this season. Kyle Bradish at the Brewers, as you mentioned. Uh, Brewers have been pretty bad recently. Willie Adamas still dealing with that injury. And uh, Edward Cabrera going up against the Royals. Same thing with them. Royals lineup has been mostly bad this year. Could get a lot of strikeouts from Edward Cabrera. Though, you know, the walks and the whip could be iffy at times. Let's get into the best hitter matchups for next week. The Brewers, Diamondbacks, Giants, Pirates, and the Rockies. The worst hitter matchups, Mariners, Blue Jays, Twins, Yankees, and Red Sox. Scott, I hate to do it to you, but you're going to have to talk again. Sleeper hitters, who you got? So you mentioned Brewers have the best matchups. They also have six righties in their seven games. So I think it's a good time to start Rowdy Telez, who's been quiet lately. But I think with those matchups, with the likelihood he's in the lineup, almost every one of those games, I'm willing to I'm willing to take a leap of faith on him. Uh, a couple Reds hitters here who've been hot, Matt McLean and Spencer Steer. Their matchups, the, 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 they could... Uh, the, the pitchers they're facing aren't like bad pitchers, but they're one of the few teams with seven games this week. Uh, 
and uh, they both happen to be hot, so I'd roll with them. Brian De La Cruz on this list again. Marlins weren't among the teams with the best five matchups, but they're not far behind. They have good matchups. And of, Cruz, and of course, Brian De La Cruz has been hot. Jake McCarthy, you mentioned the Diamondbacks have the second best matchups. He's been running wild since coming back. I think you roll with him. Giants have the third best matchups, and all of them are righties. So that makes Lamont Wade a good play, and also Mike Yastrzemski. Mike Yastrzemski's numbers against lefty, I mean, against righties this year, which again are all the Giants are facing. Uh, you'd be surprised just how good they are. Let me see if I could pull them up real quick. Yastrzemski against righties this year is batting. 294 with a 912 OPS. And then a couple of Pirates here rounded out the list. Jack Sawinski and Andrew McCutcheon. You mentioned the Pirates have the fourth best matchups. I'm more excited about Sawinski. He had a couple two-homer games in the past week. So hopefully, you know, he's been really streaky. Hopefully he's picking things up again just in time for these favorable matchups. Oh, I skipped over the one that I alluded to earlier in the show. The Rockies outfielder I'm most excited to start this week with their full week of home games. Randall Grichik, who is Boom. batting about 360 so far. And last year, he hit over 300 at home. He hit over 300 against lefties. And like I said, four lefties on the schedule, no six home games for the Rockies. So I think he's the ideal play from that lineup. Randall Grichik. All right, let's wrap up the weekly preview like we do every week. Just mention what Shohei Otani has on his schedule next week. Six home games against whoever fills in for Justin Steele, Jamison Tyone, Drew Smiley, Luis Castillo, Marco Gonzalez, and Bryce Miller. So he's got the Cubs and the Mariners as a hitter next week, uh, and then going up against the Seattle Mariners as a pitcher. Obviously, it will come down to what you need for your team. Uh, but the Mariners are 22nd in weighted on base average against right-handed pitching this season. Uh, I think that's where we're going to lean most weeks. Uh, Otani as a pitcher. Let's wrap up um, here. What's up? I was going to say I'm leaning hitter this week. Oh, all right. But it depends what you need. Sure. Um, let's wrap up with some leftovers here, Scott. A few pitchers, studs being studs. And Kevin Gosman, another dominant start up against the Brewers. Six and two-thirds shutout, 11 strikeouts to two walks. He had 16 swinging strikes. Now has 100 strikeouts on the season. That is the second most in baseball behind only Spencer Strider. And uh, Max Scherzer bounced back with another... He didn't bounce, bounce, uh, bounce back. He actually has been pretty good over his last four starts. Seven innings, two runs allowed. One of those were earned. Nine strikeouts to one walk. 22 swinging strikes for Max Scherzer. And over his last four starts, a 108 ERA, a .80 whip, and over a strikeout per inning. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Kevin Gosman or Max Scherzer? Scherzer's back, baby. <laughs> At this point, I have a lot of more confidence in him than Verlander. All right, and... The hitting leftovers, Fernando Tatis Jr. went three for four with three doubles, four RBI, and his sixth steal of the season. He hit four hard-hit balls, all over 107 exit velocity. And he's the first major leaguer to do that this year. Mm, nice. Uh, I saw your article, Scott. Uh, you had Fernando Tatis as your third-ranked player uh, in the, the redraft. So I agree with you. Um, again, that mock draft that I did uh, with the Welsh... He went third overall in that one as well. Uh, so, yeah. So, Acuna, Judge, Tatis. Top three. I think those are the chalk picks. Who was fourth in that mock? Not to give away the whole thing, <laughs> in case people want to listen to the podcast, but who was fourth? So, I had the fourth pick, Scott, and I actually took Freddie Freeman. Yeah. I, I In my article, I went... Um, oh, crap. I can't even remember. It wasn't Freddie Freeman. Oh, I went Jordan Alvarez, fourth, and Freeman, fifth, but... Definitely get the case for Freeman fourth. Mm -hmm. George Springer went two for four with his ninth steal, and he got off to a slow start, but has picked it up over his last 18 games. He's batting 343 with three homers and two steals. Whit Merrifield went two for three with his 15th stolen base. Nick Cassianos, three for three with an RBI, gets the batting average back up to 300. And Kyle Tucker, kind of a slow start to the year. He went three for four with his eighth steal. Added two runs scored. Some bullpen updates for the Mets. 
Adam Adovino and David Robertson were both unavailable. Brooks Raley got the first two outs in the ninth inning. Uh, Drew Smith got the final out for his second save. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano picked up his 13th save. For the Astros, Ryan Presley struck out one for his 11th. And the Rockies, Pierce Johnson entered the ninth with a one-run lead. He gave up a walk-off two-run single to Corbin Carroll, took the blow, a blown save and the loss. And, you know, Scott, I, I just don't think that the Rockies are going to use Daniel Bard in high-leverage situations. We just haven't seen that. Uh, his K-to-walk ratio has been pretty bad so far, too. At some point, I think they're going to try out Justin Lawrence, who, you know, he pitched the eighth inning of this game with, a, I think, a one-run lead at the time. And his numbers look really good. 293 ERA, 108 whip, over a strikeout per inning. So that's that's the next man up. That that's My money is on Justin Lawrence with the Rockies. Yeah, they have some good relievers in that bullpen. Uh, Brent Suter has actually been their best in terms of... Uh, in terms of ERA. But I imagine they'd go with Lawrence over him, Suter being a left-hander. Did I say Bruce Suter? I'm, did I say Brent Suter? I'm pretty sure you said Brent Suter. I think you said Brent, yeah. yeah. Okay. Going crazy. <laughs> yeah. Brent Spiner, Brent Suter, all the Brents. <laughs> all of the Brents. Yeah, surprising. Uh, I was looking through it too. The Rockies, they they have had some good relievers. Uh, you know, Brad Hand, He's, you know, kind of a shell of his former self, but even he's pitched pretty well for them, too. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream, Scotty, and we'll start with Friday, where Edward Cabrera versus the Oakland A's, I think, is fine. And then <laughs> there's not much. Uh, Dean Kramer at the Giants, I think, is okay. He's pitched well-ish over the past month or so. Garrett Whitlock, I think, is a pretty good pitcher, but he's going against Tampa Bay. Kind of tough matchup there. Uh, Aaron Savali. You know, we talked about we talked earlier this week about the Rays being a distant first in stolen bases. Did you know they're also a distant first in home runs? Not as distant of a first, but they're first in home runs and stolen bases. It's crazy. Rays. Crazy. Crazy yeah. stuff. Uh, I think they were passed recently by... I want to look this up now before I say it, but the I th- Rangers, I think the Rangers passed them in terms of uh, run differential, right? They did at one point. Yeah. Yeah. They have uh-huh. Rangers are plus plus one thirty one on the season. Tampa Bay is plus one nineteen. Okay. It's crazy. And the Rangers are first in total runs too. just, you know, offense. Wow. You know, we've yeah. talked about this in the past too, Scott, where our analysis here is so we're so focused on just player analysis that half the time I don't even know what's going on in like baseball standings. The Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are tied for first place in the NL West. Like that is awesome. That that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun little race rest of season. And you know it's weird. So the Rangers have more runs than the Rays in fewer games too, but <laughs> Crazy. they have hit thirty two fewer home runs. They have a lower OBP, they have a lower slug, mm. and they have less than half as many stolen bases. Like <laughs> their whole lineup is kind of a microcosm of Adolis Garcia. <laughs> feel true. like it shouldn't. They have some good hitters. Don't get me wrong, but the the stats don't add up to them being the best offense in baseball. Yeah, and now they get Corey Seager back, which is crazy. They did most of this without Corey Seager. It's a uh, yeah, shout out to the Rangers and Bruce Bochy. He's done a really good job. They are, they are first in batting average. Old school. Yeah. Uh, let's get into Saturday to stream or not to stream. And scrolling up and down, Matthew Libertor at the Pirates, I think is probably fine. Uh, Logan T. Allen at the Twins. Could roll with that. Uh, Kyle Bradish at the Giants is probably okay. Those are my three favorites, Scott. Libertor. Uh, Logan T. Allen and Bradish on Saturday. Yeah, I'd put Libertor third of those three. I, I, I'm really into Logan Allen at Minnesota. That's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're feeling really desperate, Tanner Houck against the Rays might go okay, but of course, tough matchup. Yeah. All right, I'll and then on Sunday. Mm-mm-mm. What do we got? Anything good here? Uh, I like 
I like Brian Bayo, the pitcher, but going up against Tampa Bay, they're just so disciplined. And he yeah. he walks a good amount of batters, too. So I feel like that's probably not going to end very well. We're feeling lively against that low-ranked I think Brewers so. offense. Been yeah. lively. Yeah, lively has pitched really well. I think that's a good call. Uh, how about Soroka, your boy? Second start at the Diamondbacks? Their offense has been really good. I think I'd go with Griffin Canning at Houston over Soroka at Arizona. Mm. JP France on the other side of Canning versus the Angels? No, I think Canning's my number two choice here. Well, my number one choice. I'd go Canning at Houston over Lively against Brewers. Okay. I will say Lively is one for me. Uh, I'll take I'll take Soroka too. I'll, I'll roll the dice there. And yeah, I don't know. Canning at Houston. <laughs> I don't I don't like it as much as you do, Scott. I'll go with my boy Brian Bayo, but proceed with caution. That's uh that's what I'll give you there. All right, Scott. Well look, you powered through and you did a great job. How you feeling? You're right? Well, we do have two FBT and five episodes to record after this. So ah, I'll do them by myself, <laughs> Scott. No, no, no big deal. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> No, we, we made it. I'm, I'm on fumes now, but we got through. All right, we're going to wrap there for Scotty. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? the Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world. With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.